What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. I think every person who walks across planet Earth asks themselves the question at some point, was I created for something more? Was I created with a bigger purpose than I'm currently living out? Today, on episode 162 of the Lynch Will Leader podcast, we will do our very best to help you unlock the purpose that you were created for. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is an honor to welcome you to this leadership journey as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the spaces and the places that God has put us. It has been such a fun start to 2023. We have had so many amazing guests. If you have enjoyed this podcast and it's meant something to you and resonated with you and met you where you're at, if you would stop and pause and please leave a rating and review. Man, it helps so many other people find their way to us. And there are a lot of people listening in. And it really does mean the world that you carved out time to do it. This gentleman, B.J. Thompson, that we're going to talk to today about his newest book, Awaken a Better You. Christine Kane said this about B.J. He masterfully shows us how it is possible to experience transformation in every realm of life. This book contains the wisdom, practical steps necessary to truly thrive in life. No matter where you are on life's journey, Awaken a Better You helps you reach the next level. And I could not agree with Christine Kane more. BJ is a coach. He's coached over 10,000 leaders. He has a voice. He has a passion. He has an urgency of the moment to help people awaken that better you. And after years of coaching, he has now put it down on paper for you and I. And we're going to unpack it, and you are going to love it. So I don't know where you're listening from today, but I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my conversation with B.J. Thompson. Well, B.J., thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Thanks for having me, Mike. Man, when you you were a little boy, did you ever dream— that you would be talking about a book that you've just written about awakening no. a better you. Did you ever dream no, that I, would happen? Yeah, no, I thought I would, I would be a comedian one day. I remember telling my mother <laughs> early on, she asked me what I wanted to be at about six, seven years old. She said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And because I'm cut up in class so much, I thought, man, one day I'll be a comedian. I'll be standing on stages, talking and entertaining and making people laugh. But I had no idea I'd one day wake up write a book that's going all over the world and share my thoughts and my story. So no, super cool, super excited. You know, and I've heard you in a lot of interviews and even the book you talk about your mom and her raising you as a teenage mom. As you look back now and you think about that, 
what did she do then that you didn't even realize she was doing? What was she providing you to the very best she could? At that time, you couldn't even appreciate it. Yeah, that's a great question. And so my mother had me at the age of 17. My father left school in the 10th grade. Um, I tell people my only advantage in life was coming from a loving home. I grew Mm -hmm. up with every disadvantage you can imagine. And when I look back, you know, because it took me a while to start looking back. I think oftentimes we're looking forward. We're always thinking about the next thing. What's the thing next and how we can do it? And I remember when I started pausing closer to my mid-30s and I started looking back at my life. I started asking myself, what happened there? Who were the figures and what were the, the actions and activities? And if I could give any name to my mother, I feel like she started where she was and with what she had. Good. And she became better in every season, right? And so I look back at when, you know, she started and she was working at the local thrift store, which was a Goodwill down the street. She was cleaning up skates. I just remember all these different things. And then she just like decided one day that she was going to become a manager, you know, at a department store. And then she moved from that to becoming a manager at a plant. And then she moved from that to, you know, graduating college. And so I just watched my mother start where she was, but become better in every season. And I really believe that's the gift that I was given is that no matter where you start, you can become better if you simply just have a little effort. That's really good. That is a really good answer because, and at the time when you're a kid, you don't appreciate it. Absolutely not. No, no, no. All we're getting is like spankings. You can't get in the house before the lights cut off. Y'all remember that? See, I grew up in the era of the Nintendo glove and yep. Atari and the first Sega Genesis. It wasn't Gen- it wasn't PS5. There wasn't no PS anything. It was just a Nintendo with Super Mario Kart. And you don't appreciate those things because it's just your childhood. Mm-hmm. It's the spanking, right. it's the discipline, it's the coming home before the lights are on. But now that I look back, I go, that was a gift and that was a blessing that I received. You know, you, you've you coached over 10,000 people. Who was the very first person to call greatness out of you? Ooh. Who was somebody in your life that looked inside BJ and didn't see who you were, but saw who you could be? Who was that for you? That's a great question. You know, when I think back at this journey of discovering who I was, remember, I just I stumbled into this idea that I was a coach. Right. We started this huge movement that's influenced millions of people across the world. And people consistently would come back to me and say, oh, my God, I don't know. How did you know how to do that? Right. And this is where I really learned that I was a coach. But but if I'm honest and I think back of like greatness I feel like even as a child, I was prophesied over, right? Mm. I think about being a small child, myself and my younger brother, we'd go to these faith communities and we'd be there. And for whatever reason, there'd be these men and women who would say, one day you're going to do great things for the Lord. One day you're going to do these things. And at that time, I really didn't have a, that wasn't the thing. You know, I was just trying to get the free candy. (laughs) I was trying to get my hand popped from falling asleep. Y'all remember this? So listen, I, again, I remember going to service, falling asleep, snoring, and feeling somebody twisting my arm, which was my mother, who was kind of getting me to wake up from the service. And so I couldn't see the connection between greatness and mm-hmm. being prophesied over in these services and actuality that were actually right. I felt like I was already starting to plant that seed inside of me that was saying that regardless of what you see, I know that there's something greater inside of you. And so I would just say, 
you know, prophets and people who were pastors and my mother and my father um, who would give me everything he could. And he would say, I just want you to be better than I am. And from there, you know, then it became, you know, national leaders and global leaders and all that. That's when they said, oh, man, you really have an incredible gift. How much do you see people that you meet with, just an average person that you meet with to a person we would all know their names? Mm -hmm. What are some of the common struggles that all of them have that you go, man, if they could just see what, what are some of the common struggles that it, whether everybody knows their name or nobody knows their name? That's a great question. So I think the thing that I see consistently, whether you are known or unknown, two things that really come to my mind, people often lack self-awareness and they they lack a sense of um, self-confidence that comes out of a pure place of history. Here's what I mean. Anybody can stand up and say there's something because they are insecure, right? So they'll say, let me take the biggest title, the highest pay, the thing that will make people think that I'm really someone, right? And you can finesse your way into those things because if you have a good enough resume and, and where I'm from, they call it a good enough mouthpiece, you can talk your way into being something that people actually accept because you have the title and you may have the pay. Well, what happens is as you grow in that role and ebb throughout time, you begin to be uncertain because you encounter different types of people. And that either reflects itself in insecurity or a paralyzing fear to move forward. And so one of the greatest things that I see in others is that they lack self-awareness. They don't know who they are and they don't understand how they influence and impact others as they come into contact with them in an everyday, you know, kind of habit. And they're not as confident as they're acting, right? They're actually afraid. They're super paralyzed by fear. And they're only comfortable doing the things that they think they can do, not the things that they were made to do. And this is honestly why, you know, as I began to pin Awaken a Better You, I started saying everyone has to go on this awakening journey, not yeah. just people yeah. from the rural, urban, suburban, subculture, private sector, whatever you are, wherever you are in life, who you're supposed to be means you're going to have to awaken. And that means you're going to have to stop being so afraid of new things. That's a fantastic answer. And I, and I love that the book is really a culmination of your life from, from South Dallas growing up in some incredibly right. rough South circumstances. Yes. To now, now you live here in Atlanta, right? And, and, and you can't take any part out of that journey because all of that makes you who you are, all of that uniqueness thrown in that pot. And then you had, and I've heard you talk a little bit about this. You had a, you had a, a crisis of belief where you had to come to what was your faith journey going to look like and how you saw God at work. Where did your faith awakening really happen as an adult where you went? I think I'm here for a bigger reason, man. I I don't think I'm just passing through. Unpack that a little bit for me. Oh, you asking the big questions over here. (laughs) I see this. Well, you know, First and foremost, I, I don't think any of us expect to go through a storm that could swallow our boat, right? I was watching this YouTube video and they were showing this huge, um, looks like a naval ship. And the water 
rose so high that it almost sank the ship. Now, again, if you've ever seen a naval carrier, it's this huge ship that yeah. you can fit an actual jet, a couple of jets on, and they can get off and ramp and fly into the air. And I watched the waves get so high, 50 to 100 feet in the, in the air, it almost sank the ship. And so I think that oftentimes, you know, especially people of faith, we're thinking about the way past when I was a child and, you know, I went through this thing and I had no faith or no belief or I had this idea that I was living so wild and so disconnected and then things changed and then I got better. No one tells you, right, the old people do, they say, if you never had trouble, keep on living, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Life just keeps happening and it does its thing. And sometimes you wake up and the thing that you thought you were most confident in, you realize you have mm. the least amount of grip on. And one of the things that, one of the areas of my life, many, right, got tons of areas of my life was my faith. And I, I think really what I realized in my crisis was I had attached myself to a specific denomination, group, understanding, and think. And then I said, as long as I am in congruence with this community and with this way of looking at, you know, the Bible, this way of looking at my faith, then I am in congruence with my faith as a whole. Mm-hmm. Well, the waves came, mm-hmm. right? And they knocked me so loose because what started to happen was I started to see that I was not in congruence with it. I did not hold to all these things and not from the ideal of it, but just a practical human love, compassion, and relationships. And this sent me into a crisis because it was everything that I thought I needed. I never thought I need to change. I never thought I need to grow. I never thought that this would be something that I would even come into contact with. And Mike, what, what truly happened was instead of me going to try to find something new, I went backwards. Mm. I said, when did this journey actually start? Right. And I started going back. And at first I thought this journey started in college. And I said, no, this, this journey started in my mother's womb. Mm. This journey started with my grandmother, Madel, who prayed for me over and over again. This journey started with those faithful men and women and families who were displaying what it meant to love God in community. This journey started in a dorm room at the University of North Texas by myself in this supernatural way with no friends of faith. And I knew for a fact, my faith was real. God was real. My calling was real. And it had nothing to do with a culture, a set of beliefs, doctrines, and all these different things. And that's how I had to get back anchored. I needed to be back anchored, not in someone's tradition. I needed to be back anchored in the experience of a reality that was transcended to any person, but that was real for me. And that's when my my awakening and my faith really became something different. Do you think, and then we're going to get into the book, do, do you think you could really find the better you if you hadn't have had that faith awakening, if you hadn't have had that crisis of belief to find out who Jesus really was for you. Do you think you could have ever awakened a better part of you without that? I don't think so. And, and I'll just tell you this, you know, you, you read this, there's a passage in Matthew seven, that says the house built on sand versus the house built on rock. You don't know what you're made of until you've been tested. Right. right. So this is kind of one of the things that I say to people, 
everyone says what they'll do if they were in a certain situation. You actually don't know what you would do until you have actually been tested. And this is what really causes us to be humble, right? It's like, I don't want to walk around acting like I'm indestructible and I can't go astray and I can't have my wayward moments and I can't have tensions and strains and cause division and destruction in life. I have to humble myself and to say, I just haven't been tested in that way yet. Mm. And because until you're tested, you don't know what's inside. And so oftentimes we're running from that, right? We're denying this change. We're trying to stay asleep. We're trying to like downplay the reality that things need to grow. They need to heal. We need Mm -hmm. to deal with them. We need to confront them. And so we do everything we can to try to protect it, right? So we don't talk about it. (laughs) You know, that's a theory, right? That's what you do. You run from it. That's a theory. Oh, that's being woke. When the reality of it is, you don't have to be afraid because the truth will set you free. And this is what I started to settle on. If something is true locally, individually, communally, and universally, and spiritually, I don't have to be afraid of it. Mm. I don't have to worry about it doing something that's going to harm me. The truth will set me free. I am not a child trying to parse information, thoughts, and application. I am a man who's lived life and experienced trial and experienced trouble And I've shown myself faithful for more than 23 years. And so that's the other part of it, right? Is you don't want to show up as a novice. You want to show up, like David said, you want to show up someone as someone who's already done those things privately. Yep. Right? And so again, because I had done the work privately for so long, when I show up with you, I can be fully and authentically myself because I've done the work. Not because I'm pretending, not because I got this new book or project out. It's like, well, actually, I have proof of concept in the fruit. You'll know the tree by its fruit, and you'll know wisdom by her children. You know, as I've listened to you and as I've read your work, the the phrase, we use it all the time on this podcast, God never wastes our time and he never wastes our experiences. Nothing in BJ's life was ever wasted, even though it was crappy and even though it was hard. You you have pers- persevered through it, and now you get to look back and tell the story. And yeah. these four things that happen in Awaken a Better You, you sort of break it in four to main categories. And I love how you begin it, because I think it's really the beginning of healing, is desperation. Talk to me about what desperation means and why it, it is vital for a person to unlock what's inside them. Yeah, that's good. So in the awakening book, what I outline are principles that I've learned through transcending worlds, right? So I started in the hood. I went to the college town. I went to the suburbs. I went to the business sector, went to the athletic world. I went to the entertainment world. I went to academic world. I've gone to all the worlds. I've gone to the spiritual world. I've been in all these different segments of society. And that was very daunting at first, right? Because when you get there, you realize that you have these limiting belief systems. You have this Mm -hmm. thing that you bring into the equation that has not prepared you for what's next. And that's all of us. We all come in with some type of limiting belief system about ourselves, about the world. So we have to learn and grow. Every time I've come into these new places, sometimes the environment is so new, it is terrifying, right? You're in the media now, and now you, you know, you're in bookstores. You never thought you'd be in bookstores. 
But I've noticed as I've gone through these worlds, there's always these same principles that govern it. And then, Mike, what I also did, and this is really for the listening audience, I put them to the test, right? So my mother had me at 17. So it's really hard to fake being where I am because you have to, people are always testing you because you don't look like who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't look like the person you yep. are, you're always getting put to the side. You're always being tested. So what I would do is I would put people through these things. And I would say, well, sure, it works for me because I come from this background and I'm this type of person. Let me start coaching and working with others. And when I saw people begin to use these principles to transcend their world, that's when I knew it worked. When I hit, when I went past 10,000 personally coaching, that's when I knew. I was like, oh, these work anywhere. The first place that a person starts in this awakening journey is they have to make a decision to be desperate and that things have to change, right? And that's really scary because, you know, we know this about life. Sometimes we can get really comfortable and, you know, conserve. I want Mm -hmm. to be a conservative. Yep. That means that I don't move, right? You know, nobody was laughing at that, like, if I wanted to be a deeply, again, and I'm using this not in a political way, but right. just really in its kind of classical meaning, I'm conserving. I don't have to move. And the only time I move is when I'm under attack or in a crisis. And then what I would say is all it reveals is that you have a stubborn heart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't re- reveal that you're preserving anything good. And so we all get to these places where we start seeing the signs Man, this is not working out. My marriage is falling apart. My kids are at odds with me. My career is not changing. My health is declining. My relationship spiritually is not good. My finances are off. We see the implications of these all the time. And instead of us waiting until we hit these huge moments of complete blowout and complete crisis, we have to make a decision in our mind that day that I will not go back to the same thing. I am not going to wake up and repeat the same patterns that led me to the same outcomes. And so the first step is simply, again, it's not doing something. It's deciding something in your heart and in your mind to move forward. And do you think that's a one-time thing or is that something you're probably going to have to do 50 times in your lifetime? Oh, Come to that point. It's that it's not, well, I've made that decision when I'm 25, when I'm 55, I don't have to worry about it. That's something you're going to have to do a lot. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's, but the deciding is you deciding to be a different person. I have. That's right. Mm, That's that's the decision. The decision is for you to become an awakened version of a different person that you are not just have new behaviors. Mm. Um, And this is why the awakening is not oh, I read this book and I'm applying it and now it's working in its habits. It works. No, I'm actually challenging you to become a different person. Like I'm showing up differently to this podcast because I'm actually different. I've changed. I'm not yep. the same person that I was. And that's that's where you get to see this authentic but imperfect version of yourself, right? Mm. Now you're able to be more of a life-giving spirit because you decided in your mind and now you begin to act accordingly. You know, you even think of the story of the prodigal son running away from home. And I, and it probably one of my favorite verses in the new Testament is when it said, and when he ran out of food, that's right. He came to his senses and he that's decided right. to get up and go home. 
right. But he did it. He made it. And then I love your, your next one information. You know, it wasn't just a decision. There was an acting on that decision. What does, so for a reader, when they hear information before they go get the book, give them a little, give them a little taste of what information means. Let me give you guys a little, tell us, see, we're cooking a little salt over here, (laughs) putting the ingredients together over here with Mike. What that means is that your instinct is not sufficient to give you mature transformation. Mm, that's good. What you think about the world, again, in Ikea, right? This is a perfect example. I love the furniture in Ikea, okay? You walk through, this incredible, beautiful store. My wife would go there all the time. I literally had no idea why she would go. When I went, I understood why she was spending up all my money there, right? <laughs> Mike, we walked down. I'm not lying to you. This is a true story. We're checking out. She's like, oh, we got to go downstairs and check out. I'm like, okay, well, let's just go outside and check out. And I said, where's the stuff? She said, oh, it's in this box. Yeah. I said, wait, they don't deliver it? She said, no, you take home the box. <laughs> wait, you should have called me. I could have uh, saved you, man. I could have saved you. No. boxes everywhere. I'm thinking they're going <laughs> to drop it off in my house. She said, no, that's only the display. You have to take it home. And you have to assemble the item according to the directions. Well, it wouldn't be bad if I liked directions. If I read directions, Mike, it'd be easy. For a person who doesn't read directions, an instruction then becomes an offensive thing, Mm. right? Mm. And what I'm saying to us is you can't finesse your way into maturity. You have to go and gain out information outside of yourself because what you're attempting to do is not intuitive to how you operate. And so that means you're going to have to be humble enough to learn from somewhere else. Again, this is why I think even this conversation about culture, race, all these different things, really the conversation, it's real turning point is, do we know how to learn from different people? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or do you have the humility to learn from people from different ages, genders, backgrounds, orientations? Like, do you understand... Do you have a learner's posture Mm. where you can hear clear instruction and follow them because they're true? Or do you have an implicit bias because you operate in this siloed world that's only going to give you limiting beliefs and limiting outcomes? And that's why right information is the next phase after you make a decision. You know, I I heard you say, you know, a lot of it is we're going to have to unlearn what we know. And be, and be willing. I heard, I don't know if you've ever followed the great Sam Chand, Dr. Sam Chand, phenomenal leadership guy. He said, leadership breaks down in three categories. Great leaders are always learning. Great mm-hmm. leaders are always unlearning. And great leaders are always relearning. And you nailed it that you are going to have things in life. You are going to have to, if you're going to be transformed, you're going to have to unlearn. And then you got to apply them. That's then right. you got to take it and you got to do something with it. Why do people struggle with the application piece? Why yeah. do you, they, they get through those first two phases and then this one gets even a little tougher. What would you say? Well, I think sometimes we bite off more than what we can chew. Mm. You know, you start up with those new year's resolutions and you say, Oh, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to pay out $20,000 in debt. I'm going to, you know, do this thing. We do four, you know, family vacations this year. 
and you create these very unrealistic outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of one of the reasons why it's like you're overly promising, but you're under delivering yeah. on all these things. And again, the moment you see yourself failing, now it's reason for your negative self-talk yep. and your self-sabotage to come sit in. And then once you, you know, once those settle, settle in and you give up, now your friends, shame and guilt come sit next to you and they just kind of poke you right in your arm, left and right. And so part of this, like doing something has to do, we set like these very unrealistic expectations, but that also has to do with the program and the process. And when you follow very clear and specific programs and plans and processes, they'll tell you, they should be telling you what's coming on the other side, right? Predictable conservative outcomes is what we're looking for. The second thing that we, we do, I think the reason why we don't do we really haven't gotten a handle on negative self-talk mm. and these self-sabotaging behaviors, right? So again, you start and because it's new, it feels weird. You're like, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right. Well, your feelings are not good enough to guide you to the next step of maturity. That's why the unlearn, relearn kind of process is so critical is because your brain is actually trying to protect you from the pain mm of newness and change. And when you do it, now it says, ouch, because it's trying to back you off of this thing. Well, you're relearning to say, well, actually the brain is wrong. My intuitive brain is wrong and it's not going to be able to guide me because it has to be reshaped. Mm -hmm. Now I'm reshaping my mind because I'm following a process and I'm challenging my own negative self-talk. Man, I couldn't show up to the interview. If I show up to this interview, I'm not going to be prepared. Man, if I get on this, I'm going to mic me up. Man, I'm just going to stumble. So now you're feeding your brain the instructions, and it's obeying the thing. And then when you see the outcome, you get discouraged. Yep. You up, and then you wonder why you're not trying. And so the application has to be very simple, practical, consistent. And it has to be something that fits with your wiring and with your schedule right? We shouldn't be asking how we, you know, carve out an hour, two hours to work out every day. That's your thing, right? Let's say you need to work out. I'm going to do this two hours every day. Well, I can tell you now, that's probably not going to work, right? You attempt to work out for two hours a day, it's probably not going to work. What if you just started with 10 minutes a day, right? And you just did it every single day. You made it a habit and you included some accountability Mm. So when you do feel discouraged, now you got a partner and you have someone that's involved with you. That's that is so good. I'm telling you. And what's so good about the book is you really put some you uh juice up some great stories in the book that help. True, my yeah, it, I know, I know, and they help you go, oh, okay, so I get it. And your final uh phase is transformation. You know, Paul says in Romans 12, 1, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How big are our thoughts in the transformation process? Huge. I mean, you're huge. You're, you know, this awakening journey, and this is what I call it, it's the awakening movement. I'm inviting people into the awakening movement to become a different version of themselves not simply read a book. Again, mm. like we got tons of books. I got so many books on my bookshelf. 
Most of them I have not. I've just read them. Yep. I never thought I'd have to apply them. And that's what's different about this is I'm not asking you to simply read the book. I, I'm getting all these feedback from yep. readers. I did all these other places telling me, oh, well, this is written well or whatever. Well, that's I'm actually a coach. I'm not trying to make it a cool read. I'm actually telling you the simple, that's right. practical things that we do in order to gain a new version of ourselves. And so what I would say is in this awakening journey, as you go, one, you need to go with another person. Mm. This is why when you join the awakening movement and you take this episode and you share with as many people as you can, because again, we want to spread this across the world. And really all you need to send it to is 10 people. Yep. And if one person sends it to 10 people and they send it to 10 people, now we begin to invite people to become better versions of themselves. But the mind piece has to do with some of our defaults, protective systems, like imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. right? So now, okay, this is a perfect point. So I grew up in South Dallas, had a mother who had me at 17. My dad left school in the 10th grade. He works in freight his whole life. My mother, we all grow up in this very volatile environment. And now I'm standing on stages with microphones in front of thousands of people. And now I'm working with professional athletes and now I'm working with Fortune 500 companies. And, you know, it's interesting. The more you get into that kind of light, all of a sudden, all of those insecurities start yeah, to come. That's right. And you start to ask, do I really belong here? I mean, if these people really knew where I was from and they knew some of these things, would they believe me? Do I look believable? Hmm. And so in the transformation process, it really begins to prod at a lot of our insecurities. Right. Do you think that you're faking? And if they only knew people found you out, then they would not even trust you, hear from you. And so the, the transformation process really it really demands this from us. It demands that we get to know ourselves and love ourselves. Mm. I say this all the time. You can't love something you don't know. OK, so that means that if you're not being truthful about your story in however many chapters that is, right? So I'm in my 40s now. So from one to 40, um, I had to tell the truth about all yep. of these things. If I don't know all 40 some odd chapters, I can't love myself in that way. And this is where many of us fall short. Many of us are not telling our whole story. We're telling the sexy parts, right? That's right. Telling the parts where we went to this university, we went to this school, and we went to, we were a part of this group and this fraternity and this sorority, and we live in this place and we did that in order to make ourselves look good in front of others. Mm. Well, that's not going to work when you get to the transformation phase because you're going to be so far displaced from what you're comfortable with that now you need to know you more than what you've ever known before. And again, you can't love a person you don't know, right? And so at that transformation phase, it really becomes essential that we learn how to be kind, compassionate, and loving of ourselves and not do what we're doing out of guilt and shame or the fact that we think that we can only look better by creating experience of transformation. Mm. You know, it's funny you say that, BJ. I'd really never thought about that before. I was reading a great book by Dominic Doan. It's called okay. uh, Your Longing Has a Name. Phenomenal. It's, it is a transformational book. But he said something, and it was really interesting in his chapter. One of his chapters, he said, you know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And he said, you know, we're always pushing people to go out and love their neighbor, but right. many times we don't even love ourselves. There's, and so therefore we have nothing to give out right. because we don't have anything. I'd never heard anybody say it quite like that. You have written a great work, my friend. It's a, it is a, um, it is a hope filled book that I believe hope always spurs movements. Final question I've got for you today. When God created BJ, mm -hmm. when God knit you together, gave you your unique gift, your unique gift set, your parents, your grandmother who prayed over you, growing up where you grew up to where you are today, to being on a platform with Lecrae, to sitting down with a one-on-one -on -one client. Why do you think God created B.J. Thompson? Mm. What do you think was the purpose he called you for? Nobody else can live out quite like you. It's a great question. So my personal mission statement is to develop people and create culture. Mm. I think that God gave me the very specific narrative and journey and background to heal pain, specifically around like developing people. It's my pain is I had no one leading me. I'm the oldest of three. And I had to lead in a very like hostile and volatile environment. Then my left out of that, I had to lead in an unknown environment. Yep. Then I left out of that and I had to lead in this global environment. Then I left out of that and live in a subculture environment. So it's just this perpetual thing of having to lead and the pain of having to linger with lessons mm. that should have taken me 10 months, taken me 10 years. So one, it's to be able to develop people. But then two, I think culture. And this is why I say I'm inviting every person to not simply listen to this podcast, but to pick up the book with a friend and join the awakening movement. Here's the thing, creating culture. Because again, people say this all the time. Oh, I've done this. I've done that. When I talk about creating movements, I've already created one. Yep. Right. So I'm not saying, oh, we want to create a movement. I realized that creating movements start with people who just recognize, oh, this is my journey. Mm -hmm. This is not BJ's journey. This is all of our journey to awaken ourselves and to be able to show up more present in all aspects of our lives. And so I think the, the you know, develop people part, you know, for a long time, I lingered in that. Oh, I'm going to develop people. I'm going to work with clients. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. The creating movements is when I started realizing, wait, why don't I invite you into this process? What am I scared of in inviting you into this process? I know it works because I've seen it work everywhere. Yep. And this is what I would encourage you to do. Don't sit on the information. Too many of us are just being merely entertained with new shows, new podcasts, and this and new that. And we do nothing with it. And it never does the work that it could accomplish had we simply tried a little included others in accountability and waited to see the results come from it. You know, I love how BJ broke down those four steps to transformation. And I think we all in our own ways live through those steps. And I'm so thankful for leaders like BJ who see it, they get it, and they're able to take it and put it on paper so you and I can be the leaders that God created us to be. Thank you so much, BJ, for doing that. Well, our next episode, we continue in the line with more great spiritual leadership content when we sit down with Pine Cove Camp CEO Reed Livesay. 
Reed is a former Division I athlete. He is an amazing leader. And what he and Pine Cove are doing in the camping, church camp world, is beyond revolutionary. I was able to experience it last summer firsthand as my first summer being a pine part of a Pine Cove experience. And I'm telling you, I was blown away. I was blown away at their excellence. I was blown away at the quality of everything that they did, the quality of every interaction. And we're going to hear Reed's journey, but not just his journey, but his passion now to lead this amazing global ministry that served last summer over 40,000 campers. Unbelievable. It is going to be an incredible conversation. So share it with a friend, share it on social media, stop leaving, stop and leave a rating and review. And now go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. And let's make a difference for Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.